Welcome to Unlimited Parenting, where we discuss having children with disabilities and special health care needs. I'm Allison, and joining me today are two of my fellow parent education coordinators, Sarah. Hello. And Melissa. Hello. And today we're going to be getting into the weeds regarding dispute resolution. So without further ado, here we go. So before we get into specifics regarding options and stories, I wanted to say quickly what a brief recap of IDEA. So pop in if I pop off and say something wrong. Okay. So Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, or IDEA, is a federal law that ensures students with disabilities receive a free and appropriate public education, otherwise known as FAPE, that meets their unique needs. So today we're addressing various ways parents or guardians can resolve disputes with the school or the school district or the team when it comes to special education services. So this information, as well as rights and responsibilities, are outlined in procedural safeguards, which should be hopefully given at every IEP meeting, evaluation, et cetera. Okay, so when we're talking about dispute resolution, we're not, all of these, the spectrum of options mm-hmm. are available to anyone at any point in time. Um. Okay. No, no, please. Well, I just was going to say facilitated IEPs are not available in every single state. We are really lucky in Idaho. I don't know the exact number, um, but all of these options may not be available in all states. Facilitated IEPs are being that one that wouldn't maybe be available universally. Right. Did I jump the gun? No, you didn't. You Sorry. didn't jump the gun, <laughs> but you make, you make a good point. But say a parent is calling one of the three of us, yeah. we're telling them this, you know, spectrum of options. You can sure. choose from anything on this menu. However, tell me more about your specific situation so we can decide if we one can may be with just a mm-hmm. phone call yep. yeah. to our teacher yeah. or the principal, or if we need to go all. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. So lowest level appropriate. Is that the phrase? Yeah. But I like that. Just know that wherever you're listening to this, if you're jumping ahead to a specific section, just know that you can, just because you've requested facilitation doesn't mean you can't request due process or vice versa, right? Absolutely. Okay, so let's talk about, we have a child, his name is Chad. And for the rest of this conversation, he will be named Chad. (laughs) Got Chad. And his name is Levon. His parents are Sandra and David, and he goes to Apple Elementary. Okay. So Sandra has called us at I, I need to put in a disclaimer. Please that do. These are just made-up names. Yep. We don't know this child Completely. named Chad. Nope, no. we don't know Sandra just and David. for all intents and purposes yep. of education and educating mm-hmm. our listeners. I wish I would have named it Wayside Elementary. Oh. Do you remember those books, Wayside School? Yeah. Uh-huh. Or Bayside. Bayside. Like um, Saved by the Saved Bell. Saved by the Bell. We're okay. dating ourselves. Uh-oh. <laughs> For those yes. listeners who were born <laughs> after 1985, <laughs> stick with me at Wayside School. Okay, so yes, all of the names have been changed to protect the innocent. Everything is anonymous. We have even 
based loosely our scenarios off of scenarios that we've heard of, but they are non-identifiable. Any information that we give, you would not be able to identify who we were speaking of. Okay, so Chad attends Apple Elementary, and his mom, Sandra, is giving us a call. And she is struggling. It's the beginning of the school year. She feels like nobody knows anything about Chad's IEP. So when we're talking to her, we find out that she hasn't reached out to anyone outside of the school. Okay. So what are we going to say first? Pop quiz. (laughs) Pop quiz? You didn't tell us that. Is there like a button for that? (laughs) No buttons, no prizes. Uh, Sandra, I'm going to ask Sandra, have you talked to your special education director? That's my first question. I am always going to ask when any dispute, they are truly, in most cases, the lowest level appropriate. And let's just say for pretend to play devil's advocate here, let's say they're not the most appropriate. Yeah, they might not be. They still want to know what's happening versus when you filed a complaint or something like that. And then they hear about it from the state department of education. Yeah. Yes. And no, I would just say in those cases, you, she gave me a look. She looked at me like <laughs> there, there are reasons this is yes. not video. Um, the only time that I would say that that may not be appropriate is if the special education director themselves was involved in some form of the dispute. So maybe they were just, do you, does that make sense? Yes. Okay. It does make sense. So that would be the only time where it maybe wasn't appropriate to first Give them a heads Give up. Give them that heads up. Yeah. Yeah. If if they were part of the state complaint, if they're part of the problem, but. But typically you would t- want to reach yes. out to the special ed director to maybe clarify some miscommunication yes. or perhaps um, maybe it's a new kiddo or who knows what this, this scenario is. Just mm-hmm. making sure that they know that um, they can answer questions if there's a service that, that could be available mm-hmm. or maybe the school is not aware of um, that the special director can help make those decisions. Exactly. And I think that this is a good pause point to just say that we recognize that West Ada school district, Boise school district look very different than more rural school districts or even charters where the special education director could also fulfill another role Mm -hmm. within the school. So right. there's that little caveat too. So some, let's say, you know, Sandra and David are from a really rural school district. So when I say, have you reached out to your special education director? They might also say, yeah, that's also our principal. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, that, yeah, we hear that all the time. So just for everyone out there, there's two different types of school districts and it's not just the great state of Ada, right? Yep. Yep. So tagging on to what Melissa had said earlier, facilitation is not required it is just something that Idaho happens to have out of the goodness of their heart as an option for schools and parents. It's offered in 26 states, but it's not mandatory under IDEA. So let's talk more about facilitation in specific. And I feel like, correct me if I'm wrong, but we could probably do a whole podcast just on facilitation Mm -hmm. because I feel like that's the one that gets selected the most. 
Yeah, because mm-hmm. it is such a great option for families and districts alike. It's no cost to families, no cost to districts, and it really brings teams that it brings teams together. Um, they are overwhelmingly successful. I don't know the exact n- ratio from last year, but mm-hmm. overwhelmingly. In previous years, we've had yep. 75, 80 facilitated IEP mm-hmm. meetings where, um, and then, you know, you go up your next level of mediation and you have a few more than that, but or a few less than that, um, but you still have an, a, a num- higher number. Um, but then you get into your dispute resolution. I mean, sorry due process where you're now involved in a hearing with a judge and all of those things. And we've seen not very many of those, maybe three, three to four a year where facilitation really just keeps our families out of litigation, keeps our families in the school districts from, from having to go that far in solving disputes or communication breakdown or whatever the case may be. Um, Facilitation really is just having that, central neutral party who's gonna help keep the meeting moving along with who at the center the child mm-hmm. sorry i don't yes. know i sounded like i hadn't <laughs> spoken in a child. child. <laughs> uh, i was laughing earlier because you were really spot on about the data because i wrote some data down to add in here facilitations accounted for the majority of the caseload in dispute resolution so 74 percent of anything filed was facilitation. And in 2019, Idaho, the great state of Idaho, had 141 requests and held 134 facilitations, which resulted in an 87% agreement rate. And so I say I those numbers that I just threw out yeah. to you, that's been consistent over the yeah. last five to six years. So that's kind of why I had that random knowledge in my head is that that's how we've seen the trends um, over the years and how effective facilitation is and having someone there to help school districts and teams and families really communicate on a level that is special education, IDEA specific. And really um, not adversarial, I think is what I'm trying to say here. Oh, yeah. I... I don't think for the majority of families are walking out of facilitation with a bullseye on their back. Like they're not that family now. Right, right. Um, I think it, you know, we we were we were almost there in so many of these cases. We were just really, really close to being, you know, in agreement. And it was just a couple of things that were keeping that from happening. And that facilitator was really able to kind of punch through and and make that happen. So I think overwhelmingly they're positive and they create those long-term partnerships. And I feel like we, sorry, Allison, I feel like we hear from families too that were are nervous at yeah. first yeah. to request facilitation or reach out to the State Department. But then once they do and we hear back from them, they're so grateful and thankful and they felt like they were taken care of and everyone was so kind and, and respectful, um, even in some pretty, pretty yeah. almost adverse yeah. situations where facilitation is really... Um, come in and I feel like we're doing an infomercial. Yeah. Save the day. Right? Yeah. Uh, Bye now. But no, it's at no cost to families. <laughs> no, but actually, let's take that time to bring up that really mm-hmm. good point, which is Idaho Parents Unlimited is a nonprofit that supports and 
parents, educators, and knowing resources yeah. and rights and responsibilities. So we are not on anybody's side. Absolutely. So if you're, I have had parents who have called and said, you know, I'm worried about giving information because I don't want it to get back to my school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that always shocks me because I, mm-hmm. it makes me recognize that not everybody understands the scope of what we do right. and how I can't even communicate to the school on your behalf right. no. unless you give me written permission. Absolutely. So nothing, everything that you say stays <laughs> within these four walls, right? Absolutely. And, yeah. yeah. And I think schools, schools are the same way. They, mm-hmm. feel the same when when we have schools reach out to us just to ask a certain question or a simple question they there's no identifiable information mm-hmm. shared whatsoever yeah there should not be yeah and they're asking questions yeah. like do you have a resource that i could give mm-hmm. to a parent who is asking me this question in family friendly mm-hmm. language uh-huh. mm-hmm. yeah so you guys want to hear one more year of facilitation mm-hmm. statistics? I do because I'm curious what COVID did. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so school year 2020-2021, okay. Idaho had 95 requests, held 88. So wow. the year okay. previous, 141 requests. Now we're down to 95. But 94% agreement rate. Okay. So that's up a bit that's, from the year yeah. before. And, but a re- represents a, de- a decrease of 32% from the year prior mm-hmm. in terms of requests. So it was still getting utilized. It was. I'm actually really surprised. Yeah. Allison, but, can I ask where you're getting this information? I have been waiting for someone to ask. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. So this information that I am sharing right now is also going to be linked in the episode description. So it's from the State Department of Education's website. So if you go into their reporting, you click dispute resolution and then it'll pop up and it is an Excel spreadsheet mm-hmm. of years 2016 to current. Okay, cool. So it does give you a lot of data to review and reflect back on so that you can, you know, determine correlation versus causation and stuff. But I think it's really interesting that when you click on the link, it's not just that one school year, it's several mm-hmm. school years. So yeah. anybody can find it. It's accessible. I did not need a password or any kind of encrypted. I'm not from CSI hacking it. But yes, I will link that down. And all of the information that I talk about in the next series of steps is coming from the same worksheet. If a lot of our parents are choosing to go the way of facilitation and they want to hear about it and they want to know more about it, let's talk more about it. I know, novel thought. So what would you do to prepare what would I do as a parent? Yes. Okay. I would ensure that I had my students' documents. I had a, their IEP, their eligibility, progress reports, anything pertinent to the disagreement that we were going to be talking about. I'm going to have data to support that so that I can argue my case um, with data to show the in support. But I also want to have all of my ducks in a row. I want to have all of my documents. I want to know what is everybody's going to be talking about, what everybody's going to be referencing. I really want to know what I'm what I'm there for, what I'm talking about. And that's my student. I want my student forefront. I, that's why we're there. We're in a disagreement about something in terms of his education. So I, I want my student to be forefront. So exactly. I might even take a picture. Yeah. Do you have anything you would add? Loud, loud person in the booming, corner. A booming uh, excitement. Um, 
I think I think I would just add that um, I will, thought about it ahead of time. I would contact my parent center. I'd find out anything I could, um, you know, to to be prepared. Um, there are many resources um, that are in parent friendly language about what facilitation is, what to expect, where to find information, and you know what what does it look like. I mean, facilitation is not a fun, easy, unscary word, right? Right. So, and everybody fears what they don't know a lot about. And some people think it's adversarial. Right. Some people might think it's not adversarial enough. So mm-hmm. right. wherever you fall on this yeah. decision tree, knowledge is power, right? And, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then maybe reach out to someone if I know who's been through it and get their thoughts and things like that. I'm, I'm trying to, I try to put myself in the situation so that I go in as, as informed as possible. Mm-hmm. And it's really unique for everybody. Mm -hmm. So the core parts are always going to be the same. You know, it's voluntary process. Both sides agree, the school and the parents. It's a neutral third-party person from the State Department of Education. But from there, it can kind of get unique in how many facilitated meetings you have, who is there, how many people are there. Is it the same amount, both meetings? It really gets really unique based on the reason, the request for facilitation. Any any parting thoughts before we move on to the next step? I would say the facilitator is also going to reach out to the parents, get that background information. They will be doing the same thing to the school and the district. So the facilitator also will do their due diligence and really learning about the situation uh, so that... Um, so I guess I would say just provide the facilitator with as much of that information as possible so they're getting a really clear picture too, and they can really help. Exactly. The last yeah. thing I would add to facilitation, because assu- I'd assume we're moving up the chain, right? Yeah, Next. and I don't want to say step because no. you can go back and forth at any right. point in this process. But I think that I would add in um, our experience that we have heard is that um, schools can request facilitation as well. And we've heard a lot, or we've heard um, that it's been really helpful for some of the some schools who struggle to um, find that good communication middle ground. Or we've got some new new special education teachers or um, teachers who just might need a little bit of help in that organization of some of our more complex IEPs. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it's. If, if a family is contacted saying that the school wants to have a facilitated IEP meeting, I don't know that I would worry too much about, you know, oh my gosh, did I do something wrong or is something going on that I'm not aware of? Are they ganging up on me? What's happening? Um, it's really a tool for both the schools, um, school districts and families to really just come together. And to figure out how to have an effective conversation like a conversation that is meaningful and will go somewhere versus just spinning in our chairs and sometimes especially when we need to build back positive partnerships we can get lost and kind of make it a parent versus teacher Mm -hmm. or parent versus school and forget that the whole reason why we're there and that we both agree that we want to support the child pretend that Sandra and David have called us here at Idaho Parents Unlimited because they want to know more about mediation. So mediation is 
a lot of, you know, if we're talking about like promotional materials or things like <laughs> blurbs that we would yeah. tell people is, you know, we're still talking about decisions being made by individuals who know the child quicker resolution options than if you were to pursue, say, dispute res- or excuse me, due process. Um, but then some of the things that really make it different than facilitation is that we're talking about like a legally binding agreement. We're only having three people mm-hmm. for the parents' side. And then I hate saying I that because mm-hmm. I don't want to make it sound like sides. But three people on each. That represent the family. Three you. that represent the school district. Yep. See, even I struggle to find yeah. to make it sound not as adversarial because right. yeah. it's not side versus side. Right. So, yes, a total of six people, right? Mm-hmm. Again, this is still voluntary. Uh, on yep. both sides. So if the parents say we want to utilize mediation, then the school would also have to say yes. Mm-hmm. I am not getting a lot of families or schools ever requesting mediation. Well, I think that just goes to show that facilitation is a very effective. Um, and when you're when we are talking about mediation, we're now talking about two to three issues that Really, we no one can come to agreement on. We just can't resolve the dispute or the conflict or whatever the conversation may be. We cannot come to an agreement. Um, so we we need to enter into a, a mediated conversation where now we're only talking about those two, maybe three at the most hot button items where we are not taking notes at this meeting. Um, it looks very different. It might feel very different. Um and uh, whatever comes out of that is 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 what goes. It's so let me ask this. If I've decided to do mediation, I've gone through the entire process, and I don't like the results, can I go to due process with that afterwards? It depends on what comes out of your mediation. Mm-hmm. It depends on your NDR. It depends on what you guys, because what will come out of, in most cases, probably not. Which, again, is when we send these emails and we tell people, you know, please keep us updated. Mm-hmm. We want to hear how this goes. Feel free to reach back mm-hmm. out if you want to brainstorm new solutions. We never hear back from parents who have used mediation no, because really. they can't. They can't. Yep. Yeah. They legally cannot. Right. They will walk away. You have to sign a confidentiality agreement, which then makes it... Uh, when. When you're asking if they could go to due process, they could go to due process for additional items, but none of the points in which, like Sarah said, maybe it's one or two things that we are in contention, you know, that we are talking about in mediation. Those two points cannot then go to due process, in my understanding. I'm not an attorney and I do not represent or play one on TV. Yes. (laughs) I just want to put that legal disclaimer out there. We can't offer any kind of legal advice, but we can tell you about resources and provide you those resources. However, the reverse is not true in that situation. Mm -hmm. So let's say you were doing, you're in the middle of due process and Mm -hmm. you decide, hey, I'd actually, let's stop and do mediation. You can do that. Absolutely. And I think that happens more often than not. I think people get Get, very mm -hmm. excited and gung-ho and we are going to stick it to the school. And then they go, oh. uh, Maybe we can just deal Let's, with this in a exactly. more formal conversation. Mm-hmm. Formal, a little bit lower dispute resolution. Mm-hmm. Um, mediation is still dispute resolution. It's right. still, we're still in disagreement, but it's a little less formal, but still formal. 
And the fact that we're not going in front of a hearing officer right. and those yeah. types of things. We're now out of the court system. We're still bef- we're still in that decision-making um, conversation where we mm-hmm. can go back and forth and communicate with each other and not through our representation yes. of, um, of that legal that's ex- That's exactly what I was going to say mm-hmm. in terms of there's no – we're still – within the school and the Mm -hmm. school district level so people who still know who chad is and what class Mm -hmm. he's in and may even know him personally Uh, versus if we were in due process or expedited due process we're outside of you know witnesses Mm -hmm. this is someone who's never met this child has never set foot in apple elementary Mm -hmm. yep that kind of stuff so who's ready for some statistics let's do it you know us and data Exactly. I'm going to bow out, but you two can just (laughs) (laughs) geek out. Surprisingly, there's not a lot because there's not a lot, right? Mm -hmm. So in 2020, so that's school year 2020 to 2021, Idaho had 15 mediation requests and eight of those were ones that were not related to a due process hearing. Wow. So again, there's that crossover yeah. where if you've gone to due process, you can always yeah. take it back. And then 2021 to 2022, which was last school year, there were 12. And five of those were not related to due process. Hmm. So essentially eight and then the following year, five. Okay. So I guess that would really explain why it's not something that's... Yeah, that we get a lot of calls about. Yeah, because yeah. it's rarely occurring. Mm-hmm. and But it's still always an option. Right. And maybe, you know, when people call and we talk about their situation, they decide that it's not the best option for their situation. So let's move on to state complaint, which is another one that could be paired with a whole bunch of other different things. So just because sure. you're or doing... Or on its own. Exactly. Yep. But just because you're doing state complaint or you are filing a state complaint mm-hmm. does not mean that you cannot also request facilitation. Right. right? To still or try to build or, back yeah. Yeah. what's sure. happening. Yep. So a state, you may be interested in pursuing a state complaint if one of the following applies to you, to your chat. <laughs> An IDEA <laughs> violation within one year. So there are some time, some timelines here. That's not related to a personnel. So this is an ethics complaint or, you know, let's say just as the first example that pops into my head, you had a teacher that did some form of corporal punishment, more an ethics complaint. Well, I could see where I'm straying into two different areas here. Okay, maybe maybe a teacher or um, a, a paraprofessional or someone who had contact with your student said something or... Um, that, you know, that might, you might be offended by. So, but we could be talking about a procedural IDEA violation, but it's not something to do with one specific person. So this may look like um, Chad has been found eligible for an hour of speech language therapy, and he has not been receiving it. And I have data to back that up. So we're not filing a complaint against the speech language pathologist or the special education teacher. We're filing a complaint because he did not receive his free and appropriate education as outlined in his eligibility. So these are happening 60-day investigations, 
potentially resulting in a corrective action plan. I guess I really want to say the form, the state complaint form, is really easy to navigate. It is. I just had a family say, this is it? So, <laughs> exactly. It's it. to the point. Yep. It's self-explanatory. Mm-hmm. And it and there's a, a question that literally says, what what resolution do yep. you want? So what do you, what that, and that's really, sometimes that can be really hard for families. Like, what do I want? Well, some families might say, well, I want you to apologize. Mm -hmm. Some families might say, I don't want my child to attend this school within this district anymore. Mm -hmm. It might be, I want more training. Right. Or how about I want the services? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And and this might be where Mm -hmm. compensatory education Mm -hmm could come into play. So like we said before, mediation and facilitation remain available. But this process also has, it doesn't require people working collaboratively to solve an issue. So this could be grandma who's filing a state complaint. Yeah. It's any interested party. Yes. So a teacher Mm -hmm. or anybody who has, maybe it's a paraprofessional who no longer works at that school anymore. Mm -hmm. So anybody can file a state complaint as long as the IDEA violation in question has happened within the last 364 days. Mm -hmm. So before we hear, we talk about a story, let's talk data again. So 2020, Idaho had a total of 30 state complaints filed with 24 reports issued and 21 of those reports had findings of noncompliance. So... What I'm, what I'm trying to say here is, is that 30 were filed, but 24 of those state complaints that were filed reported issues. So maybe six of those could have been filed incorrectly. Right. 21 of those had, re- had IDEA violations and six were withdrawn or dismissed. And then 2021, 34 filed, 29 findings of noncompliance, and three were withdrawn or dismissed at some point during the process. Okay. So who has a story about Chad? Well, I was just thinking about, um, I mean, instances where we feel worried or nervous or scared to file a state complaint. I mean, it's kind of kind of a big deal. We're going up against a bit against the man, right? Um, it might feel like we might feel like we're going to get some backlash or have have that target on our back. Um, but what what the data is telling me in that story is that there are some struggling school districts that might need some training and education on procedure and policy and how to use their own resources to serve the kids that are found eligible for special education and related services. And I will say, so Apple Elementary is within Periwinkle School District. So I have seen where several parents will call about one school district or one school and everyone's reporting the same series of problems. I guess I also want everyone out there to know that you don't have to just talk to iPoll. You can also talk to dispute resolution at the State Department of Education. So before you make any kind of decisions about what you want to file or who, and you want to really explore all of the resources, we can give you all of the phone numbers to the State Department of Education, and they have people there who will happily walk through. I 
I think it's important to point out that Idaho and a lot of other states are um, operated under local control, which means the state isn't allowed to come in and tell our school districts what to do. But when we have a state complaint or we have multiple state complaints, that's when we can pull in the resources that our state department of education has where our smaller school districts and our smaller schools might not have the, I'll just say the financial resources to come in and provide all of these extra trainings and do all of these other things where if you have these complaints and we file them, then we can pull in the state department of ed where they can come in and do that, do those trainings. Um, and, that's what they're there for. They're there to educate, train, and provide um, resources to to all of our schools. It's there for everyone, um, and the continuing education for for all for all parties involved. Yes, first you're exactly right, and second, another thing that I think is an interesting piece to point out is that after you file a complaint, it doesn't mean that your voice kind of just disappears right. from the situation. So let's say you filed, it's being investigated, and as a result of this, there's a corrective action plan, and now Apple Elementary and Periwinkle School District are creating family voice. Mm -hmm. So they have like a family group that is a stakeholder and gets to be invited to the table throughout every step of the process in their corrective action plan. So... You, it doesn't, it's not just you complain and then some wheels get set into action, motions are happening, and then you're kind of removed from the process. Mm-hmm. The parents can still have the opportunity to still be very much involved. Right. Yeah. And it's not secret. So many times I've helped families with state complaints and then they've called and said, thank you so much. Right. This is XYZ happened and this is how it is so much better. And we are moving on and everybody is happy, right? So state complaints, um, and I think what you kind of were alluding to is that if if a problem is bigger and the state gets in there or more parents kind of get on board, we could potentially have some state systemic complaints. And we have seen those in certain districts um, when we've had multiple problems within um, the same school or the same related service or, or what have you. Um, and then the state department of ed has been able to go in there, provide, like Sarah said, training, education, the supports and resources to get that district back on track for the families in their district. And we've heard from, um, our state department as well. Um, encouraging if there, if, if families feel that there is a, a legitimate IDEA, um, complainable issue to file those state complaints. They can't do anything about it if they don't know anything is that things are not working. Exactly. I'm sorry, did you just say? If you didn't put it in writing, it didn't Essentially. happen. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. And it right. needs to be documented, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I guess also I, I will say that uh, state complaints, 
very common. I hear families say, I don't want this to happen to another student. Therefore, I would really like to, yes, this is, you know, we've gone to facilitation and we've made it better for my student, but Mm -hmm. by writing a state complaint, it provides those resources and trainings almost for the district so that it doesn't happen to additional students. In some cases, I'm just saying that is something commonly that we Mm -hmm. hear from families. I don't want this to happen again. So lots of different reasons. Yeah. Sure. It could be, you know, any IDEA violation, mm-hmm. whether that's adaptations, accommodations, related services, that could be busing. It could be, we've seen it be a lot of different things. It can't. Just that caveat is that it cannot be, it's not personnel. You cannot mm-hmm. say that I don't like this principal and she was mean to my student at, you know, Apple Elementary. That is a personnel issue. Mm-hmm. That's not an IDEA issue. So very commonly that's, the call that we will kind of field. That's a whole nother podcast. Yeah, but then, at, well, <laughs> I also want to point out that if you get that call, you're never just going to say, well, no, this doesn't fit. Right. You know, no. goodbye, have a great day, <laughs> click. Oh, you don't? No, I'm just but here, <laughs> I don't, I promise. Melissa, <laughs> here are some other options that yeah. might better mm-hmm. fit your situation. Yes. Let's everyone feel good about yeah. state complaint. Okay, we'll so. move on to due process. So this is something that, again, kind of like mediation, I don't really ever, I'm not getting any questions about, hardly ever. But let's, let's talk about it briefly. It's, a, it's where the decision is being made by a hearing officer, an administrative law judge that is not involved with the child's education. This could be filed within two years of when parties knew of the situation in question, this is something that is absolutely at cost to the parents <laughs> instead of being free, non-cost service. Parties are paying for expenses, attorney fees, and neither the IDEA nor state law provides authority for a hearing officer to award mm-hmm. attorney's fees. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying yeah. that because that's something that I read sometimes in these hearings, you know, and these are hearings that are also outside the state of Idaho when I was researching this and I was looking through, let's say, our neighbor's California, our neighbors, Montana, Oregon, mm-hmm. sometimes people are, are listing out their grievances mm-hmm. and then they're saying, well, I would also like the school district to pay for my attorney's fees and there's nothing in Mm-mm. IDEA law, the IDEA no. that says that. Exactly. So that's why I'm throwing that out there. So this is definitely a more involved process. We're gathering witnesses. Mm-hmm. We're getting evidence. We're taking time out of, out of the school school's resources we're out of our own resources out of time away from providing services to our students when we're when we're involving all you know there is a time and a place don't oh absolutely get us wrong um but we hear often um in our office some calls that we don't we want to skip facilitation we want to skip the phone call we want to go straight to show me the lawyer And like you said, there's a time and a place for everything, but sometimes families don't realize all of the spectrum of other options options that are available to them Mm -hmm. first. And I will say that this is how Idaho has always done things. Mm -hmm. Um, Families coming from outside of Idaho, their state potentially did things differently. And we we do see that. Um, So it's our job as the parent center to really provide these dispute resolution options. Um, But yeah, there is sometimes a time and a place for due process, but it is, it is costly. The school district is going to bring their attorneys. So you better bring yours. (laughs) 
um, and be prepared for that. Yeah, and just yeah. The, the emotional yeah. drain and... And, well, and the timelines are different yep. too, because uh-huh. then you can also have an extended timeline added to that due process timeline. Sure. So instead of, you know, we're talking maybe two or three facilitated IEP meetings, it might be over a year right. of things happening. And again, you know, this is where stay put or pendency would be put in for the child's IEP. So it would revert back to the IEP before any of the changes that were disputing but still we're talking about a long drawn out process so let's talk about some data school year 2020 to 2021 there were seven filed in idaho seven due process three of those went all the way to a hearing four were withdrawn or dismissed and that includes being resolved without a hearing so dismissed or withdrawn also includes being resolved without going to a hearing. So maybe you move back to mediation or you went with a state complaint or what have you. And in 2021, four were filed, one in the state of Idaho, four for 2021, 2022. One is still pending, but the other three were withdrawn or dismissed. And I just wanted to add that, again, that spreadsheet that you'll be able to have access to in the description includes uh, data from 2016 on and so if you look at the average from 2016 to now, it's four a year, essentially mm-hmm. four, four mm-hmm. and a half that are filed right. wow. every year. And if you are to look at some of our neighbors, which I will link some of that information below, they um, are not tracking this by year. They're tracking it by quarter because oh, they have so wow. many and it can look like over three or 400 a year. Oh, oh my gosh. So, and again, their tracking, their tracking sheets do look a little different. So it might be they're doing due process with mediation or just mm-hmm. due process that goes straight to a hearing. And they also track if it was filed by the school or if it was filed by the guardians or the parents like Sandra and David. So theirs looks a little bit different. So let's talk about expedited due process. And again, expedited is, is just saying faster, so the timelines are quicker. So this is where it's relating to a student's placement and discipline. So we're using expedited due process when parents disagree with the school district's discipline-related decision that affects Chad's placement and whether Chad's behavior was related to his disability. So school district may use this process if they believe that a child's behavior could be dangerous to the child or others. And then here comes a whole bunch of numbers and timelines. But resolution (laughs) meeting is occurring within seven calendar days unless both parties agree in writing not to have that meeting. Or here we go. They're using mediation instead. The hearing timeline proceeds if the issue is not resolved within 15 calendar days. The hearing must be held within 20, and the decision must then be issued within 10 days of the hearing. So because it is expedited and the process is sped up, there's a lot more Mm -hmm. guidelines and numbers and timelines that everyone in the process is following. But the rest of it is going to follow what due process looks like. Correct. Yeah. So how might, why might Chad's family file expedited due process? Maybe Chad was expelled from school. 
maybe Chad was expelled for school for a disciplinary measure. Maybe Chad. Um, uh, let's say we're Chad in a major disciplinary. Yes, yeah, major. Yeah, like, Chad brought drugs. Chad brought Thank drugs you. to school. Yeah. Okay, so if Chad is bringing drugs to school, it's kind of one of those things. Drugs are weapons. It's automatic. The student. I don't want to say automatic. Just expelled, the rules are the, the same rules are regardless. The, exactly. They're because, for all students. Mm-hmm. In the case of Chad, because he's a student on an IEP, we need to have a manifestation determination to determine if this uh, was a manifestation of his disability. If it was, then, okay, that goes one way. Even if it wasn't, it goes another way. If Chad is a student on an IEP, it doesn't matter. He still has to be supported with an education. They could just place him in an alternate education setting, an alternate educational setting. So... That means that Chad brought something, Chad brought a weapon or drugs, and he cannot go back to school. Periwinkle School District is saying, no way, sorry, we, but we have to provide you with your education. With your education. Mm-hmm. We want to do that at home. And family says, no way, uh, we, are, we are disputing that. We're disputing the disciplinary decision or the placement decision or both. And that's where expedited due process comes in. Maybe they are, uh, they are saying we would rather have, um, Chad educated in a setting like a library or, um, uh, the district office somewhere other than the home setting. So expedited due process is that it's really, um, disputing placement and discipline. And then a quick turnaround. We have to maintain that um, forward movement of education. Because this isn't something that's going to last a year. No. Because maybe in the other due process situation, when you've got that stay put and pendency, you're still getting educated. You're following Mm -hmm. the IEP that you had previously. You're not getting educated is not an issue, but an expedited due process, it potentially is. Absolutely. Yeah. So the students that are in a due process or something, if there's a stay put, they are still going to school Mm -hmm. every day, receiving their education, might not have any idea that this is all going behind the scenes. A student like Chad, who has been expelled for a disciplinary measure, potentially is going without school for that 10 days. Mm -hmm. And then that 45 days is that timeline where we still owe, Periwinkle School District still owes owes him an education, but where? Because of those related services that are indicated in his IEP. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So that's why it has to be fast. Mm -hmm. Because yes, this is now a student who potentially is not getting his free and appropriate education which then could be an IDEA violation. So Mm -hmm. we're trying to navigate all the systems Mm -hmm. while also keeping everybody safe and making sure everybody's supported. hundred percent. So some data on this, uh, 2020, uh, none, none were filed expedited due process. And in 2021, so that's 2021 to 2022 school year, one was filed and it was either withdrawn or dismissed. That was a lot mm-hmm. of information on all of the different steps and linked in the description will be a Padlet where you can go through everything piece by piece if you would like or if you wanna know more information about it. But instead of just ending on kind of a heavier note, I would like to brainstorm, So, and we talk about this in webinars, we talk about this in trainings. Prevention is key, right? Mm-hmm. So what are some that we can implement some tactics, strategies to not get this far. 
into the dispute resolution weeds. Is that right? What yeah, exactly. So I'm thinking yep. of, and again, you will have a link to this, but Cadre's A mm-hmm. Tale of Two Stories. Mm-hmm. It's their videos on yeah. what a meeting can look like without effective facility. communication mm-hmm. and what it could look like right. with effective mm-hmm. communication and really, you know, like listening for understanding instead of listening to talk, remembering why we're here. Um, I think a lot of things that I, I've heard everyone in this room say to educators is, you know, this might be just another task you check off in your day, but this parent may have been on the phone with Medicaid for two hours before this. So they're already like really tightly wound. They don't have any frustration threshold. And and again, the same can be said for the teachers, right? Maybe the teachers yeah. have had a really hard day. And that's really where that open, honest communication comes in and that you trust that your team is really doing what is right for Chad and right by Chad. And And maybe that can also look like really requesting to see the data or asking that data be reported on more often, or there's all kinds of different strategies that you can use to build Mm -hmm. up the relationship versus having to build it back. Yeah. I mean, one of my favorite things is just to ask for rather than just the bad, I want to get good reports too. So, Hey, can you send me some pictures when we're having a great day rather than just when there's problems? And I like to be really reciprocal of that as well, because I know that what my students, teachers are doing in the school setting are affecting him at home. So when we have a really positive, something really positive happens, I like to share that with them just so that we are communicating positive and negative back and forth. So it doesn't seem like the only time I'm ever coming at them is with a negative. Mm-hmm. I really like to foundationally set that up. That helps build those relationships yep. Yep. and those ongoing open relations, communicative op- relationships. Yep. I've seen great things come out of state complaints, um, relationships built out of facilitation and wonderful things happen. Um, schools are putting together or school districts are putting together family advisory councils, um, as some, as corrective action plans, but then have really turned that into building a better community for, for all Mm -hmm. of their students. I think I would just say it's not us versus them. We're a team for Chad. That yeah. everyone has the same end goal is how do we support this student? Yep. Make Chad at the middle. That's just it. Chad. I just imagine Chad sitting in Chad. the middle on the table. Yeah, he should. It could be a picture sitting, of Chad. Sitting. Could be. Crisscross you know, applesauce. Crisscross applesauce yep. in the middle of the table. There we go. Thanks for coming, Chad. <laughs> and thank you, everyone. For listening in, if you are in Idaho or are planning on moving to Idaho and have any questions on systems or services for children with disabilities, please reach out to us on our website at ipolidaho.org. That's I-P-U-L-Idaho.org. Thanks for listening in. Until next time, this is Allison with Sarah and Melissa on Unlimited Parenting. Thanks for listening.